0: Welcome back to another episode of the What We're Watching Podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Jenny. And today we're talking
1: about The Notebook.
0: And today we have a very special guest. Tori from the Ready to Be Petty podcast is here. And her podcast is amazing. It's one that I listen to all the time. It's a pop culture weekly recap. She talks about reality TV shows, celebrities, scandals, things that are going on. And it's always very topical. And it's it's such a fun listen.
1: And Tori recently came out with a romance novel podcast called Ready to be Romanced, and we thought that was perfect for February, so give that one a listen too.
0: Yeah, so happy Valentine's Day! Yay! We also have an update today on our February review challenge, where we give you guys rom-com recommendations to watch this
1: month. Glow222 says, I love listening to this podcast as I work. A lot of the films they choose are films I grew up with or just really enjoy. The hosts are Deaf Girls Girls, and my fave episode is the Legally Blonde one. Also, side note, their voices are so comforting to me.
0: So nice. Thank Thank you so much. I especially love this because I feel like you and I were expecting reviews immediately when we started this podcast, talking about our vocal fry and our, like, Valley Girl (laughs) speech. (laughs) So to hear that our voices are comforting makes me, like, beyond happy.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. That's our biggest insecurity.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So our recommendation for Lowe is Sweet Home Alabama. I feel like we know that they're a big Lily Blonde fan. And Sweet Home Alabama stars Reese Witherspoon. And she also plays a very strong character in that one. And it's from a similar time period. And it's just such a fun rom-com that I'm betting some of you probably haven't seen in a while.
1: I've never seen it. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Oh, it's good. It's really good. I'll read the log line so you guys get a feel for what it's about. A young woman who has reinvented herself as a New York City socialite must return home to Alabama to obtain a divorce from her husband after seven years of separation. It stars Patrick Dempsey and Josh Lucas and Reese Witherspoon.
1: Hope you enjoy. Z, like the letter, says, Comfort listen for the girls. Hi, I'm Z, and I want to say thank you for being consistent with your postings. I love listening to both of your voices. This podcast feels like a safe, genuine space, and I find myself listening when I need to decompress after work and have a giggle. Thanks, bye. Happy Galentines. Yay, happy Galentines to you, too.
0: The idea of this podcast being a comfort listen for the girls makes me just beyond happy, so that means a lot. So for Z, we're recommending She's the Man because you mentioned Galentines and just like comfort nostalgic watches. And I feel like she's the man, as ever, all of us, right? It's so funny and just, like, relaxing. I feel like it's not a stressful watch. You're not, like, super emotional.
1: Right. It's just funny and light. And if you haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a while, here's what it's about. When her brother decides to ditch for a couple weeks, Viola heads over to his elite boarding school disguised as him and proceeds to fall for his school's star soccer player and soon learns she's not the only one with romantic troubles. Oh my gosh. It's been so long since I've seen it, but you guys should let us know if you want us to do an episode on it. Sure,
0: I would love to. I would love to. And if any other listeners want us to recommend rom-coms for them to watch this month, leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts and we would love to do it.
1: Awesome. Enjoy the episode with Tori.
2: Hi, Tori. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super happy to be here.
1: Yay. I'm so excited to talk about The Notebook.
0: I had not watched this Probably since high school, and I balled my eyes out in high school, and I was like, not doing that again until like last week.
2: What year would it have that been the first time you oh, watched it?:
0: 2013,
2: probably.'m <laughs> I'm just I'm just LOLing because I saw it in theaters oh you did yeah so in twenty two thousand and four. 2004 okay yeah wow she was she was there <laughs> yeah I was there at the scene of the crime I was born in 92 so I would have been like 12 or 13 at the time yeah and I remember my parents dropped me and a friend off at the mall and there was like a movie theater in the mall so we went shopping and then went and saw the notebook and I remember I like brought a Kleenex like a like like a little pack of Kleenex Um, because you knew I knew I was just going to be like sobbing and I actually don't think I (laughs) cried that much I remember just being like I didn't need this but yeah I literally watched it when it premiered so funny
1: I have to say it hits different as an adult because I definitely cried I've I've seen this growing up a million times But this is my first time, I think, watching it as an adult, or at least, like, out of high school, out of college. And I was devastated. So much so that Megan knows this, but I had a headache the entire next day from crying too much the (laughs) night before.
2: (laughs) I've been there. Oh, my God, I've been there. No, I know. The dementia storyline really hits different as you start aging. I didn't get it as a kid, but now I'm like, oh, wow, this is... tragic (laughs) dark yeah it's dark did you guys read the book um yeah I I think I dnf'd it like I I don't think I finished it Nicholas Sparks is just not it's funny his books are just not the books for me because they lean way heavily more into like romance than like other books that I enjoy so I don't think I finished it but I like all of his other movies like I like you know, the last song and the one with Amanda Seyfried and Channing Tatum. Um, oh, yeah. Was that yeah. Letters to Juliet? No, no. But that's also a good Dear movie. John was that one? Yes, Dear John. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And A Walk to Remember was good, too. Yeah.
2: Totally. But yeah, his books don't do it for me.
1: I read the book in middle school and I think I may have been like a little too young to read it and I don't remember the book at all. Yeah, I'm just imagining your mom coming (laughs) in your room
0: and you're reading the (laughs) book, sobbing (laughs) about this dementia patient That's a 12-year-old.
1: I'm sure that's what happened. I was just Uh, talking to her about it the other night, and she was like, yeah, I remember you reading that book.
2: (laughs) That's so funny.
0: That is funny. Okay, so the logline of this movie is an elderly man reads to a woman with dementia the story of two young lovers whose romance is threatened by the difference in their respective social classes. And yeah, like Tori said, this came out in 2004.
2: Yeah, it's a classic. It's so good. We're 20 years later and it still holds up. So I I think that's a good, um, you know, test is that we still enjoyed it in 2024.
0: Totally. And this filmed in Charleston, which I feel like I probably could have guessed because of the scenery, obviously. And all the little islands. There's a bunch of little islands around Charleston. My grandma actually lives at once. So I grew up going to that area. And it's, it all looks like that. I feel like the whole southeast of the U.S. looks like that. The town of Seabrook, which is where Noah's house is that he fixes up, is actually filmed in Mount Pleasant, which is a big suburb of Charleston. So if you guys know the Charleston area, you'll know that.
2: Yeah, it's stunning. The whole, like, the summer scenes at the, like, lake and... Yeah, just all the greenery and stuff. It's so beautiful. I know. It's so pretty. It's like got me dying because it's cold. It's
0: like we live in Denver and it's cold here. Obviously, I'm sure it's cold where you are. And like, I just I need that. I feel like I need the warm beach. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay, should we talk about the cast? Yeah, let's talk about Ryan Gosling, who plays Noah Calhoun.
2: Tori, you're Canadians. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Like, I feel like it's rare that you get a, a movie that's like the two main characters are both Canadian. I can't even think of another one. I'm sure there's tons, but yeah, very cool.
0: Okay, so Ryan Gosling, I feel like he's everywhere right now, obviously, because of Barbie, but he is married to Eva Mendez, and I feel like they are one of the most underrated couples in Hollywood because they're so private, which makes me love them. Yeah. And they've actually been together since 2011, and they have two girls, which I think is so cute. To think of Ryan Gosling as a girl dad. And their names are Esmeralda and Amanda. Mm. Cute.
2: Super cute.
0: Yeah. And this is my favorite thing. So before he started dating Eva, he was dating Olivia Wilde and Eva, which I don't actually know if you pronounce her name Eva or Ava. I
2: think it's Ava. Yeah. Ava.
0: And Ava dated Jason Sudeikis at the same time. And then within a year, Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis and then Ryan and Ava got together, which is hilarious. I had no idea.
1: That is crazy. That is so weird.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like, I knew that that happened, but I didn't know the timeline was so similar. Like, I didn't know it was, like, the next partner that they had. Yeah.
0: is It's so interesting. Okay, so something else that I didn't know about this is that the script got passed around a lot for, like, a decade. So this was a script that a bunch of different directors looked at, a bunch of different people, like, casting directors looked at. Originally, Steven Spielberg was going to do this movie, which I think is, like, kind of interesting to think about Steven Spielberg doing this, like, romance movie. And he wanted Tom Cruise to play Noah, which I can't imagine at all. Because he does his own stunts. There's so many in this movie. (laughs)
2: He could do do the Ferris wheel scene. Like, yeah, that's that's so funny.
0: (laughs) And that ended up not working out. And so Nick Casavetes, I think is how you say his name, became attached to the project. And he wanted George Clooney to play Noah. And he wanted Paul Newman to play the older Noah, which I, George Clooney, I actually think would have been pretty good.
2: I agree and same with Paul Newman but at the time like when have he been too old and like I think what really works in this movie is that Ryan plays like the young version and the like what age do you think they are when they like reconnect like 30 or something like that yeah like
1: late 20s yeah early 30s. Yeah. yeah
2: so he plays the teen version and the adult version like I don't know if like George could have pulled that off. But obviously he's like super handsome and like a great actor. So in that sense, I I could see it.
0: That's true. Trying to imagine George Clooney playing a 16 year old at any point in his life. I can't. And, no, I literally can't.
2: <laughs> yeah. So it made sense for it to go to someone like a Ryan Gosling or like a Ryan Reynolds or something like that. Totally. Yeah. That
0: age group. And this I thought was funny is the main thing that I found the director was saying in all these interviews was that he wanted somebody that wasn't known and that was not handsome to play Noah. That was like his most important quality, which I'm like, (laughs) how the fuck did we get to Ryan Gosling?
2: Yeah, because he's so handsome. Yeah, (laughs) totally.
1: He's our Ken. He's our Ken.
2: He's our Ken. Yeah, I
1: read this quote that was from the director. He said, I want you to play this role because you're not like the other young actors out there in Hollywood. You're not handsome. You're not cool. You're just a regular guy who looks a bit nuts.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, is Noah. Like, he is yeah. a little bit, like, obsessive and, like, a little... Like, he has a crazed look in his eye <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So I get that. But I, I wonder, so this would have been the late 90s, early 2000s. And if we think of, like, heartthrobs then, like, you do think of, like, the Mr. Big character and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So, like, I I guess it makes sense that he wasn't, like, that era's, like, hot guy.
1: That's a good point. I didn't think about it that way.
2: Yeah. But this would
0: have damaged my mental health to, like, no recovery if somebody (laughs) said that to me. Like, we're going to make you the center (laughs) of this rom com because you're not hot.
2: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's like...
0: Sucks. It's
2: funny,
1: though. Speaking of his crazed eyes in this movie, did you guys know that he wore brown contacts during
2: filming? I did not know that at all. I didn't know he had blue eyes. It's wild. I can't even picture him with blue eyes.
0: I had no idea except for I turned the movie on and Brian, my husband, walks in and goes, Hey, it's brown-eyed Ryan Gosling. And I was like, sorry. (laughs) What? He knew. Yeah, he knew.
2: I don't know
1: what it is, but a brown-eyed Ryan Gosling just does something different to me. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah. you like it. Yeah, I like it.
2: Yeah, Yeah, he's so hot.
1: (laughs) 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 So I heard a rumor that he wore the contacts to make him appear warmer, like his blue eyes would be too piercing or something for the character, but I haven't been able to confirm that. It actually seems like the only reason why he wore the brown-eyed contacts is to match James Garner, who played older Noah.
2: Mm, Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I guess you had to do that.
1: And then I didn't know this, but Ryan and Rachel very famously didn't get along on set. And Ryan even asked the director to take Rachel off set.
2: I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, okay, now I'm writing like a whole enemies to lovers, like, plot in my head. (laughs) But, um because I feel like all I've heard about the casting for this movie with them in particular is like how electric their tapes were when they were filming, like testing together. So that's interesting. But also from a directing set standpoint, it's like, that's what you want when they're, cause they do fight a lot. They're very like, honestly toxic. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Like from a, from a present day lens, like they're kind of toxic. So I feel like Ryan is saying this, and then the director's like, oh no, this is the cast. Like, we have to do them now.
1: I love the enemies to lovers thing. That's so funny.
2: Yeah,
0: the reason that surprises me is because they dated like shortly after the movie came out. They dated from 2005 to 2007 and then again in 2008. So, how did I miss that? Oh
2: my God. Mm, you, sh- you need to go back <laughs> and look at like Paparazzi. V- Pictures and stuff like that. You missed it probably because you were too young, but I was eating it up, like in People magazine.
1: (laughs) I've only got three years less than you, but for some reason, (laughs) I just missed the notebook stuff. The pop culture stuff didn't hit me.
2: Totally, totally. I, I really liked them as a couple. They seemed great. It's funny, no one's ever called them like a PR couple and stuff like that, even though they, you know, dated immediately after this was filmed like it wasn't the robston craze like when twilight came out a few years later
0: that's true because twilight wasn't that long after
2: was it no i think it was 2009 so five years
1: how could you do a movie like this though and not fall in love
2: oh i say that all the time
1: I just don't think it's possible.:
2: No. <laughs> I see that all the time that I would be like, "What are we after like <laughs> after the <laughs> two film days wrapped, of rehearsal?" Yeah, yeah, and I would be like, "Oh my God, <laughs> this is it for me." So yeah, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another iconic moment in their relationship is they were nominated and won the MTV Movie Award for Best Kiss. Which obviously is from the iconic, um, I guess it's not a lake, like pond kiss or whatever Mm -hmm. uh, that's in the movie. And this was really fun because they made a big spectacle of it. Like they walked on the stage at like opposite ends and then they did like a big wind up and then they like ran into each other and. Um, it's kind of actually like very bachelor nowadays, where like the contestants run and jump on the lead on every date. But at the time I was just like, this is so fun. Well, I wasn't actually really analyzing it like this, but I think <laughs> the feelings I had was like, this is so fun that they're like playing into it, that they respect this movie. That was another thing I wanted to say about the notebook, is like it was kind of like Justin Bieber, like when he started like, his career, like, they just didn't respect it and they didn't respect this. And a lot of other, like, female-focused media um, just didn't get the respect that, you know, other things got. And I just loved that they weren't shying away from this project, that they, like, were not embarrassed by it, that they, you know, respected it, so... It's very iconic. The MTV Movie Awards also were very iconic at the time. I feel like award shows have kind of taken a nosedive in (laughs) just like relevancy. But at the time when you were starved for celebrity content um, and you didn't have social media and stuff like that, award shows were like one of your best um, options to see your fave celebs. And so I just... I remember just loving everything about this whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that
0: just brought up a memory for me from I think it was the MTV Movie Awards when Kristen and Rob won Best Kiss for Twilight, I think. And I think Taylor Laudner went up on stage with them and they did a whole weird thing where they made a joke about Rob and
2: Taylor kissing or something. Yeah, that's ringing a bell. Yeah, <laughs> they wish they had what Rachel and Ryan had. Like, I was going to say,
1: we rewatched that recently, and there's no way that Kiss compared at all no. to Ryan and Rachel. No, no. absolutely not. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Rachel McAdams. She plays
0: Allie Hamilton, and she grew up in Ontario. Tori, where are you in Canada? Are you
2: anywhere near <laughs> that? No, absolutely not. Okay. No, I'm not. Um, Even though I've been to Ontario many a times, it's where like our capital is, Toronto's there. Um, But I'm in BC, which is on the West Coast. Ontario is central uh, Canada, but a lot of stars are from Ontario, like Justin Bieber and Drake and um, Rachel McAdams. Cool. Yeah, I had no
0: idea she was Canadian. Mm hmm. She's another one of those celebs that I love to, like, hear their stories because their parents are totally normal. So her parents are a nurse and a truck driver. And she grew up as a competitive figure skater. Jenny, I feel like you knew this. I feel
1: like you said this in our Ice Princess episode. I only learned it because of Ice Princess, because I think there was some rumor that she was going to play Michelle Trachtenberg's character. Interesting. Mm.
0: Yeah, I guess she would have been good because she competed for her whole life. And then obviously she also grew up as a theater kid and she planned to go to college and like drop both of those things and study cultural studies. But then her drama teacher was like, no, you can actually make it as a professional actor. So she said, "Okay," and then worked as an actor in Canada and then moved to Hollywood where she was in The Hot Chick, which Mm -hmm. I've never heard of. Have
2: you seen that? (laughs) Yeah, it's like a Rob Schneider film. Busy Phillips is also in it. It's okay. Yeah, I remember it. It's very, like, early 2000s comedy.
0: And then right after that was when she was in Mean Girls and The Notebook, which were in the same year, which I always forget. That's wild. And then in Wedding Crashers the year after.
2: Yeah, it's like no one had that range where you could go from The Notebook Uh to Mean Girls in just such a successful way. So, yeah, there's been clips because of the Mean Girls musical movie, clips of Rachel McAdams talking about... The Notebook, in her Mean Girls press, and, yeah, she was just, like, so, like, demure about it. I don't think they knew that it was going to be such a hit. And I think James Marsden, in your notes, he actually said that, too, so people just didn't know what a phenomenon it was going to be.
1: I guess how could they? Like, you don't think that a romance is going to blow up and be the classic that it became?
0: Totally. Totally. I also learned that she's always been a really big environmental activist. She likes speaks up for a lot of different causes, which is cool. I didn't realize that. And she also has a super private relationship. So she's been with a screenwriter named Jamie Linden, hero We Are Marshall and Dear John.
2: Oh. <laughs>
0: and they've been together since 2016 and have two kids. I had no idea. Interesting. She also did a lot to prep for this movie. She spent a bunch of time in Charleston just to like get to know the area and she took ballet and etiquette classes and worked with a dialect coach to learn the Southern accent, which the accents in this kind of cracked me up. What did you think of them?
1: I thought they sounded normal.
2: Yeah, like I I've only the the farthest like in the South I've gone is Nashville. Like I have I don't listen to this accent a lot. So I just I had no idea if it was good or bad.
1: Megan and I are both from the south and I I didn't notice if it was good or bad but Megan do you have an opinion on this?
0: Oh no, I thought it was good. I just always think it's interesting to hear people do that like old southern twang because it's different from like the southern accent you would hear now. It's very like Oh, okay, I need to find this. Do you guys know the SNL sketch where the guy is talking about the big snowstorm that was in Atlanta? Jenny, do you know what I'm talking about? No. I okay, don't. guys, I will find this and post it on our Instagram because they're making fun of this accent in it and it's this like southern gentleman supposed to be and he's just like shitting on atlanta for not being able to handle any snow and it's actually really funny and they use this accent in it so that's always just what it makes me think of
1: oh i can't wait to watch it yeah
0: anyway i also learned that a lot of people were considered to play ally which like the list is long so i'm just gonna read it really fast jessica biel britney spears jamie king jane mcgregor jennifer lawrence kate beckinsale kate bosworth amy adams mandy moore scarlett johansson Claire Danes, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Ashley Judd, and Reese Witherspoon. (laughs) That's so many. (laughs) Yeah, but then they got down to Britney Spears and Rachel McAdams, which I cannot see Britney doing this for a second with Ryan Gosling.
2: No, it makes so much sense of why they didn't go with Britney Spears, even though she is my queen and I owe everything to her. But it's just, it's not, (laughs) it's not the role for her. But um, just last year we got her audition tapes because, yeah, they were like, leaked or revealed or whatever um. so you can actually watch her audition and honestly it's good it's a good audition but I just think to me she doesn't have this like it the movie takes place in the 40s she doesn't have the look where Rachel McAdams I think very much does and there's this thing I don't know if either of you have heard about it but like an iPhone face and it's just like where you're like, I don't believe this person has never seen an iPhone before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I heard of this. <laughs> and it's like Britney Spears, like, I just feel like she has, like, a 90s, like, I don't know, I just can't take her out of a 90s aesthetic. Yeah. Even nowadays, I feel that. And people said that with Dakota Johnson um, did a, was it a Sense and Sensibility remake or something like that? She did a period piece, and people were just like, I can't. The one thing I can't get over is just that she has an iPhone face. And yeah, I feel that about Britney.
1: Yeah. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Never heard of that before, but I I can see it. I also wonder how much of it is just because like we know her as like when you think of the 90s, you think of Britney. So it might just be who she is, too. But that's interesting.
0: Totally. Totally. Yeah, she was an icon of that decade. So like to take her out of that would be so hard when she's so associated with that for everyone.
2: Totally. And it's kind of like also actors like Carrie Bradshaw. No, Sarah Jessica Parker. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, like Sarah Jessica Parker or like Harry Potter. I literally cannot even think of the actor's name. It's just really hard when you play such iconic roles or you just have such an iconic place in history or pop culture or whatever it's it's hard to play these kind of like almost like nameless roles. totally
1: i did watch britney's audition tape and then i watched rachel mcadams afterwards and you could not compare them like it just rachel is this part even though i think britney did a good job it's just interesting to see like oh no like rachel was built for this i can see why they picked her
2: truly i'm surprised she hasn't done other like period Not that this is a period piece, but like...
1: But kind of.
2: Kind of, yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, I completely forgot that James Marsden is in this movie. I completely forgot. This must have been one of the first things he was in. He plays Lon. He's been in 27 Dresses, X-Men, Enchanted, Jury Duty, Dead to Me. Like, I've seen him in all those things, and I just
2: completely lost that he was in this movie.
1: Me too, yeah.
2: Totally. Just because he's such a leading character... I think it's weird when he's not, like, the star of the show.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And he shows up, like, halfway into the movie. And I was just like, whoa. I, yeah. Because we know him.
2: (laughs) He has a small, like, it's kind of a small role. So it makes sense why he's not, like, associated with the movie. Totally.
0: He also has a pretty private relationship. He's been married a couple of times. And he has three kids, I think, among two women. But now he's been with a British singer named Emma Dane. Her stage name is Edie, Eddie, I did not look up how to say it, sorry. And they've been together since 2015.
1: Good for them. I know.
0: And then Bradley Cooper and Cole Hauser were both considered for Lawn, and I can totally see Bradley Cooper in this role. Yeah.
2: I don't even know who Cole Hauser is. I think I looked him up and I
0: didn't recognize him. But Bradley I could see, especially because he was in, it would have been interesting because he was in Wedding Crashers as rachel mcadams like love interest in that movie that is kind of a dick that she like gets away from him
1: and yeah. goes with owen wilson
2: right so, so it would have been kind of the same been like a, <laughs> yeah
1: parallel yeah <laughs> like tori was mentioning earlier i heard this quote from him that he didn't think that the notebook would be such a hit i don't think any of them did and he said I never set out to make a bad movie. Some movies just turn out bad and I want to scream, why did you pick that take? There are some movies that I've been in that I was sure people would laugh at that have become huge. I thought The Notebook was going to be a schmaltzy movie of the week type thing. And here we are. Which I thought was kind of nice.
2: Yeah, it does. Like, it could very easily have been a Hallmark movie again. So it's nice that it got a big budget and I guess they weren't huge at the time, but... The older cast members were definitely um, popular, so... Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it was just the perfect combo of Rachel and Ryan, and the script was good, and they had the budget to, like, do the sets well and everything.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Should we get into the movie? Let's do it. So we open in a nursing home, and an elderly man named Duke, who is played by James Garner, reads a romantic story from a notebook to an elderly woman, who's played by Gina Rollins, And I didn't know this. Our moms are screaming right now, but I didn't know who these actors were. (laughs) Gina Rollins is actually the director Nick Cassavetes mom. And during one of their first takes, he said, "Okay, mom, action. And James Garner just lost it completely. (laughs) And he ruined the take because it tickled him to death, he said.
0: That's cute. That is really funny.
2: That's really I feel like fun. that
0: would be so hard to direct your mom, especially in this, like, very emotional, like, role. Yeah. So the story that he's reading starts in 1940 at this really cute carnival in South Carolina near the coast. And Noah is a lumber mill worker, so we see that. And he sees Allie Hamilton from across the carnival, and he asks his friend who that is. And his friend says, that's Allie. She's visiting for the summer, and her dad has, quote, more money than God, which I thought was kind of funny. So they did a good job just like setting everybody up. And then Noah goes up to Allie, introduces himself and immediately asks her to dance with him, which I thought was such a weird (laughs) move because they're like in front of all their friends in the middle of a carnival. It's just like bizarre. There's so many things about this also, side note, where I'm like, (laughs) as a teenager, I thought so much of this was so romantic. And now I'm just like, this is the movie holds up. But some of the things he does are just like so weird. I like it's like hard
2: to get over. It's very cringy.
0: Yeah. Allie says no. Noah won't take no for the answer. And he jumps onto the Ferris wheel while she's riding it with another guy. And he asks her out. So he's just like profusely asking her to go out with him. And she says no again. And so he's hanging onto the metal bars of the Ferris wheel and he drops down to one hand, which I'm like toxic behavior. Toxic behavior <laughs> so to like, toxic. threaten to drop off. It's giving. What is the new Taylor Swift song where she just, like, talks about jumping off a building? Oh, yeah. Um, the one about Harry Styles. I don't know. But yeah, that's the vibe. dress
2: on a boat. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's the vibe of this. Yeah. Is like, it over now? Is, that, is it? Is it over now? I think maybe. it's Is It Over Now? Yes. Yeah. I
0: think that's right. Anyway, it's giving that. And so finally, she's just like, fine. Yes, I'll go out with you. And then she pants him while he's hanging there, which I thought was really funny.
2: It's super funny. And I think that this is why I like their relationship so much, despite all the toxic parts, is that like she'll give it back to him. I could see this written where she is just like more docile and like doesn't like give him sass back. And I just don't think it works as much as when. She's like, okay, well, if you do this dumbass move, like, I'll pants you. Like, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, like, the next day after the carnival, and he sees Allie on the street, and he's, like, Profusely apologizing, which we do like to see. We like to see that. (laughs) But he's not (laughs) taking no for an answer, which we don't like to see. Mm -mm. (laughs) So he's trying to convince her to change her mind, which is not, again, not how consent works, but it's fun in this romance movie. (laughs) Uh, But he's like, What can I do to change your mind? And she's just like, I'm sure you'll figure something out because she saw him climbing up the Ferris wheel. So she knows that he has some tricks up his sleeve.
1: I have to know what you guys think of this part where he is like, when I see something I like, I got a hat. I love it. I go crazy for it. How did that age? What do you think?
2: (laughs) (laughs) It, I don't know. Like, it, like, weirdly works in the movie, I think. But, like, if you, (laughs) when you spell it out, like, it just, it doesn't work. I think he's just trying to convey how excited he is about her and, like, that... I don't know, maybe he's just trying to convey that he's not, like, flippant about, like, asking her out, and he's not going to easily give up. But, yeah, insane behavior. (laughs) Insane.
0: Absolutely (laughs) unhinged behavior.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If it happened in real life, I would not be into it, but in the movie, I'm into it.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So then Noah gets Finn and his girlfriend Sarah to set up a surprise double date at the movies without Allie knowing. And Finn and Sarah are making out during the entire movie. So Noah moves to sit next to Allie. And they kind of make eyes at each other the whole movie. And then afterward, the two of them go on a walk together. This is like the first time I feel like she is actually genuinely kind of interested in him. Mm -hmm.
0: Which kind of surprises me. Because when I was watching this again, I was like, what? I guess like it just bonded them to be like stuck next to their friends that were making out. Because I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what changed between your conversation a second ago and then him like tricking you into going to this movie to now you're like, we'll go for a walk after the movie. Actually, I do like him. It was just like a weird change to me.
2: Yeah, I guess that it's kind of like maybe she sees the summer play out in her head of like double dates and stuff like that. But like, or maybe she's impressed that he did, quote unquote, figure something out. But it's like. Yeah, like, lying to (laughs) her, like, that's not a good start, that's not a good foundation to build a relationship (laughs) on. Yeah.
0: So on their walk, they lay in the street and they watch the traffic lights change, just like Noah and his dad did while he was growing up. And at first she's like, you can tell she's hesitant and she's probably, you just get the vibe that she's like a risk-averse person and she's not really into his, like, chaotic behavior. and. Because she's resistant to lay down, he says, that's your problem. You don't do what you want. And then this becomes a big theme that we see throughout the movie for Allie, for her like holding back and doing what she thinks she's supposed to be doing and not necessarily what she wants to do. And so she gives in and they're laying in the street. And she tells him in this moment that she loves to paint, which comes back later because she doesn't say that to the person that she ends up with later. So it's just like you, I don't know, you get the sense that she's like opening up to him. And then a car comes and they run out of the street and Allie can't stop laughing, which I thought was, like, really cute. You could tell that she, like, liked getting to, like, show that side of her. And then they dance together in the street while Noah hums the song, I'll Be Seeing You, which becomes their
2: song. Very cute. So sweet. So after that night, their first date, I guess, they, like, start seeing each other. I feel like this is the highlight of the movie. (laughs) We do, (laughs) I don't know about you both, but, like, it's just so fun watching their teen years or their, their summer together. And so one night, Allie goes to Noah's house, and it's just completely different from what she grew up in. It's, like, a very modest house. Uh, you can tell that Noah has a really close relationship with his dad, Frank, where I feel like Allie's parents are always kind of at a arm's distance from her. And Allie brings him a painting that she made and they eat breakfast at 10 p.m., which, again, it's just kind of like the casualness of uh, this household compared to hers is just something so new to her that I think she really likes it. And
1: then we get just tons of cute scenes of their romance. And we also see them fighting. Like you were mentioning earlier, Tori, she's hitting him like it's very intense fighting. And then Duke's narration says that despite their differences, they were crazy about each other.
2: Yeah, it's just it's the type of relationship that it's fun to watch on the screen, but it's like you don't actually want that. Like all of this, like fighting, breaking up, getting back together, like passionate, Reunions, but like very, very toxic and like tumultuous, and like I don't know, you wouldn't feel safe in that relationship and stuff like that. So knowing that now, (laughs) it (laughs) it plays a lot different, but still very, very cute. I think Mm
1: -hmm. the point of it was just to show like their passion, Mm -hmm. maybe because like you don't really see the intense emotions in romance movies. I feel especially like the Hallmark kind, right? They're very like subdued. And that's what makes this one different to me.
0: That's true. I think it also actually, now that you say that, shows that it's serious. Because I think if we just saw them being super cutesy the whole summer, it would read very like kids in love, cute thing that like wasn't supposed to be as, you know, serious and deep and like long lasting. Interesting. So maybe that was just the point.
2: Yeah, that's true. Like, it's not just some summer fling or whatever. They're kind of showing that there's more depth to it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is so funny because I'm pretty sure you both left this out of the outline. We <laughs> did. <laughs> I didn't notice until you put it in. Yeah, and then when I was, like, rereading it and, like, taking notes while I was watching the movie, I was like, this is, like, the iconic scene. <laughs> Other than, obviously, they're reuniting, like, Pond in the Rain makeout sesh. But, like, this is the scene. Um, And I remember... Just this scene was used so much in the promotion of the film, like in a lot of the trailers and stuff. But it's the scene where they're in the ocean and she's saying if she was like a bird, what would he be? (laughs) And uh, it's like, say, say you're a bird and stuff like that. And it's just funny because in like nowadays, we had that viral meme that was like, if you ask your boyfriend if you're a worm, would he still date you? <laughs> and it's like we haven't changed one bit, girlies. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, so embarrassing. But yeah, she like <laughs> is just demanding that he says that if she was a bird, that he would also be a bird, and it's very cute.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was the line I feel like from the movie. Like, this was the quotable thing for like years and years and years after. And to your point, it still kind of
1: is. Totally. So my takeaway here is that if your partner doesn't say that they would be a worm, too, it's a red flag.
2: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, cut them loose.
1: (laughs) So when Noah meets Allie's parents, they don't approve. And her mom asks what he'll do when the summer ends and spills the beans that Allie is going to college in New York in the fall. And then they kind of go off and do their own thing. And Allie's parents watch them together. And Allie's dad says, it's just summer love. And her mom seems to know better and just calls it trouble, which I think is interesting.
2: Yeah, because we find out later on, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. that the mom did, like, <laughs> the same thing. So, yeah, she knew. She yeah, knew. she's, yeah. like,
1: worried for her mm-hmm. that she's going to go down that path.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I had
0: forgotten that. And re-watching it, it makes me want to go watch it again to, like, re-watch the mom parenting Allie with that lens, like, knowing that they had the same experience and handled it differently. So then, anyway, Noah takes Allie to the abandoned Windsor plantation. I feel like this scene is, like, a—was a big deal. Or, a, like, especially watching this, I feel like when we were younger, I remember this scene being a big deal. And so this is where Noah tells Allie that she—that he wants to buy the house and restore it. That's his life stream. And I love this part when Allie says she wants it to be white with blue shutters and have a wraparound porch and a room overlooking the river so she can paint. Like, I still want a white house with blue shutters because of this quote. Totally. I want a
1: room where I can paint. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah,
0: I know. Yeah. And there's an old piano in the house and we see Allie play it. And you can tell she's grown up playing piano. And there's one song in particular that she knows. And that will come back later. And then they have sex for the first time. And it doesn't, it's like kind of awkward. I also hated the fact that they started opposite sides of the room, take all their clothes off and stare at each other. And I'm like, this like cringes me out for them filming it. Cause I'm like, you know, they just were like, okay, now look down there. And then they get a whole reaction and it was, I hated it. But in general, the, the like concept of the scene is cute. And they both say they love each other for the first time. And then Finn, Noah's friend from the, from like their work together, runs into the house to warn them that Allie's parents sent the police out looking for her and everybody is freaking out. And it's just like this big interruption and obviously kind of ruins the moment. And I just, yeah, it was just like funny to watch this back as an adult because I feel like my reaction to it was very different, but something interesting that I learned was that while they were doing all the shots of the house, at least the outside of the house, they were using special effects to make the house look dilapidated because it is actually a real house that is in totally fine condition and so none of that was real
1: yeah interesting so was the inside of the house was that a set or was that the
2: right i bet that was a set and then the exteriors were special effects
0: interesting i think so okay that makes sense or maybe the house like once it's finished is is maybe the inside of the house but i'm guessing for that room cuz that's really the only room that's inside that we see is that like broken down big living
1: room with the piano so i'm guessing that was a set okay not me thinking that they actually like found a dilapidated me house too. and then restored, restored it, it. <laughs>
0: No, I know. I know.
2: Like this makes so much more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember. I wish I remembered what I thought about this scene when I first watched it in 2004. I think I, I because I was so young, like I think the like sex scenes really were lost on me. I do kind of remember being, like, how could you, like, just stand in front of, like, basically a stranger nude, like, yeah. <laughs> and, like, with, like, no, like, she's just, like, standing there, and I was, like, how could you do that? Like, that's insane, mm-hmm. Um, but that just shows you, like, that we're weirder about our bodies when we're, like, you know, at the swim pool changing room and stuff like that, um, <laughs> yeah. like, growing up and just, you know, all of that weird body stuff, but I thought it was sweet because, like, I, I don't know, I just feel like... In the 40s, this is kind of what teens having sex would look like, because I feel like nowadays it's like, yeah, this probably wouldn't happen, but they didn't have like probably sex ed and they like didn't. I don't know. They just wouldn't have the information that we have nowadays. So I'm like, this actually seems kind of realistic to me at this point. But yeah, I wish I remembered what I really thought at the time.
1: Yeah, it felt very natural. I will say, like, even though it was kind of cringe, like thinking of being in that situation and having and going through those steps, I was like, well, yeah, like it seems like it fits for them.
2: Totally.
0: Yeah. Especially to your point. I think losing your virginity at that time would have been a huge deal. So like kind of I mean more so even than now, especially them living in the South. Like like it was a big enough deal when like we were growing up. So to go back in time, I'm sure like this is appropriate and appropriate reaction of it, you know, them making it a big
2: deal. Totally, totally.
1: So then Allie and Noah return to her parents' mansion, and Allie's mother forbids her from seeing him. And Noah overhears... This makes me so sad. I know. Noah overhears her mom calling him trash and her dad saying he's not suitable for her. And Noah leaves, and Allie follows him out, and they have this terrible argument, and she impulsively breaks up with him and then immediately regrets it and chases his truck away. And it's like, no, no, we're, we're really not broken up, right? And it's devastating. It was so sad. And then the next morning, Allie's mom tells her they'll be returning to Charleston immediately. And then if it couldn't get any sadder, Allie goes to the lumber yard to try and find Noah. And he's not there. So she tells Finn to tell Noah that she loves him. And when Noah finds out, he rushes to Allie's house. But it's... Too late, she's gone.
2: Devastating, yeah. It would not have been the same story if they had texted and stuff like that. (laughs) I just like can't imagine not growing up in this day and age. Like I was, I covered Bridgerton on the most recent episode of my romance novel podcast, and just thinking about the miscommunications that they had through letters kills me. Like it just sucks when you. Say something and you can't take it back because it's like taking days to get to them. But we see that Noah is writing Ali letters every day for a year. But because her mom gets the mail, she's like intercepting them. She does keep them. But after, you know, 365 letters that have gone unanswered, he stops writing so he can hopefully move on. And. Again, because this is the 40s, they go off to war, him and Finn, and Finn dies during the war, which I also did not remember that this happened at all. Yeah. Like, that's devastating.
0: Yeah, I completely forgot. Uh, yeah, this whole part is just, like, the saddest series of events between them breaking up. Also, like, them calling Noah trash made me so sad, and then them breaking up, and then both of them missing each other, and then Noah and Finn going to war and war infant dying was just like boop 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 yeah so let me see that in ali's third year of college she volunteers as a nurse's aide in the war and she makes a comment i think later on that she's imagining that all the wounded soldiers are noah or people that he fought alongside and this made me wonder how she knew that he was
1: fighting in the war did we know did we find out how she knew that i was wondering too was it just kind of a given that if he was that age
2: yeah conscription Hmm. like i think they were be enrolled
1: yeah and this is where she meets lon
0: hammond jr who is played by james marsden and he is practically in a full body cast and asks her out while she is like tending to him and she basically is like when you're healed come find me and he does so when he's healed he finds her i think in charleston or no wherever she's going to school maybe And he asks her out. We find out that he comes from old Southern money. He's very charming. We immediately know this is the exact type of guy that her parents want her to find. And they fall in love very quickly and they end up getting engaged. And obviously, Allie's parents are so excited. And she's excited, too. I think we kind of lose that when we look back on this. But she is in it when she's in it. Yeah, totally.
2: And also, I feel like it's understated. And maybe we can talk about this later on. But like that he's actually, like, a nice guy. Like, yeah,
0: <laughs> I feel yes. like you want
2: to hate him because obviously you're rooting for Noah, but, like, he doesn't really do anything that bad at all in the movie.
0: No, he's a great guy. He is not the Bradley Cooper in Wedding Crashers that you hate. <laughs> he, yeah, I totally agree. He's a really nice guy, which makes the story, I think, a lot more realistic and heartbreaking because then when she's later on, like, Conflicted between the two. It's like they are both actually just good people that she actually really loves and she has to make a really hard choice. And that's really hard.
1: Exactly. Like I think it would have been so easy if he was a jerk. Like I was kind of expecting him to be, right? I haven't seen the movie in forever. So I was waiting for him to be like a jerk so I could hate him. But he never did anything wrong. <laughs> he was actually like so gracious the entire time. Really mm. gracious. And I think that just makes it a harder choice. Like you were saying, Megan. Like If we had hated him, then we would have just been like, "Okay, easy choice here, Allie. Come on, move on. But it makes sense. So then when Noah returns from war, his father says that he sold their home so that Noah can buy his dream house. This is the Windsor plantation, the dilapidated one. He's like, Dad, where are you going to live? And he's like, with you, silly. (laughs) (laughs) And so his dad lives with him and helps him restore the house. And one day, Noah takes a bus to Charleston to get the building plans approved, and by some stroke of luck, he sees Allie on the street, and he hops off the bus and follows her, only to see her kiss Lawn. and it's so sad.
2: I don't really know what he was expecting. <laughs> like, It's been a long time. It's been a long time, so I don't know, maybe you could assume that Allie could be seeing someone else, but yeah, Gut wrenching, nonetheless. So during this time again, toxic uh, Noah. <laughs> Noah, come on. He's like, if I restore the house and it is exactly what Ali wanted, that maybe she'll come back to me. And so he finishes restoring the house, but his dad passes away. Something I didn't pick up in my first couple watches, obviously, was that the house means something with Allie but also his dad at this point which I think is really special so he passes away and he's like okay so now my dad's not living with me and like because I have kind of been a recluse all I have is this house
1: mhm and he probably has PTSD like really From the bad war. right
2: totally totally yeah He's unwell. (laughs) (laughs) He he
0: is unwell. That is what we see is I feel like the next many scenes are just like the unraveling of Noah because he is like obsessively Mm -hmm. working on the house. He is dating this widow, which we'll get into. And he loses his dad. It's just like I feel like he's not in a great place. And so we see the finished house and it is white with blue shutters and the wraparound porch. And we see him just get completely wasted after he finishes it for days because and he like contemplates setting the house on fire. Because you can tell he's just like, I did the thing. This was like the thing I was going to do my whole life. And also the thing that I totally believed would bring Allie back to me via the universe somehow. And it didn't happen. And so then he puts it up for sale. And a lot of people come by. A lot of people try to give him money for it. And he just won't take it. And you can tell he just cares too much about the house to ever sell it to anybody. And we also see that he's dating a widow named Martha Shaw. Which... Shout out to Martha, because she just gets a short-ass end of the stick in this whole <laughs> movie.
2: It's so sad,
0: them. Uh, I know. And you can tell that Martha is wanting to know where their relationship is going, and he ultimately just says he can't
1: give her what she wants or deserves. And then back in Charleston, Allie tries on her wedding dress, and someone shows her that she's in the newspaper as the social highlight of the season. And then she folds back the paper to find a photo of Noah in front of the renovated house. And she faints. Which, same. Like, same. I understand. <laughs> yeah. And so, obviously, her feelings for him come rushing back. And she goes to Lon and asks him to take a solo trip before the wedding. Credit to Lon. Doesn't tell him a thing. Doesn't tell him anything about where she's going. And just, he's like, okay, sure. Are you good? Are we good? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, okay, bye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> to so me, it's like... It shows how much he loves her, I think, Mm -hmm. because he's not willing to ask questions because he's like, whatever's going on, as long as you're still okay to marry me, we can overlook it. It's like, I felt like the
1: subtext of that. And little did he know
2: (laughs) what was (laughs) going to happen. Yeah. That's so sad. But I love the direction of this scene where she, like, uh, I guess, wakes up from being passed out and she's in the bathtub and she's turning the tap on and off with her foot. She's drinking straight out of a bottle and like, yeah, with the newspaper and the veil and it's just such a good scene. So I love whoever, you know, produced this.
1: It's very iconic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So then we come back to the present day with Duke and the elderly woman. And the elderly woman makes a comment to Duke that she really likes the story and she feels like she's heard it before and this kind of contributes to Duke's ongoing feeling that he's gonna be able to get her to remember. Duke goes off to the doctor, and while he's there, the elderly woman asks the nurse if she can play the piano, and the woman is surprised to learn that she can that she already knows how to read music and she already knows how to play the piano. So again, it's just another scene like reiterating that she like she obviously has dementia.
2: Yeah, and At the doctor's appointment, we learned that Duke's health is declining. He recently had two heart attacks and the doctor's like trying to set kind of boundaries with him or like make him have more realistic expectations about Miss Hamilton, who we learn is the older woman. So this was so shocking to me the first (laughs) time I read it. Like, I don't know why I probably because I was like fucking 13 or whatever, but I was like. I had no idea that this was Allie and, and Noah because I was like, no, this is Duke. <laughs> I, Same. I, It just went straight over my head, which is so funny nowadays because it's like clear as day. But yeah, we learned because of her last name that it's the couple. We've all been watching and Allie is playing the piano and Duke's like, She's playing it from memory, which <laughs> this is also really tough because it's like that's not how memory works. Like the the movie is portraying it like if you lose your memory, you lose everything. And it's like there's definitely different kinds of memories and things like piano music just are encoded in your brain in a different way that like <laughs> it makes it sound so Like when the doctor is saying this, it's like, I'm like, this is not factually correct. It's like how you can like uh, hear a song that you haven't heard from heard of in 15 years and you know all the lyrics like it just it's in a different part of your memories than mm-hmm. um like her identity and stuff like that so i'm like this is so annoying rewatching this <laughs> like
1: that screenwriter didn't do their research clearly
2: yeah <laughs> cuz it's like but but she can play the music and it's like yeah <laughs>
0: like, yeah we know. she probably learned she also probably learned that song when she was like 6
2: Totally, totally.
0: I was shook though when I watched this for the first time though too. Like this blew my mind. Like I had at zero inkling that the couple was Noah and Allie. I don't know how. Yeah, you guys, everybody listening will have to let us know. Like, was this as shocking to you (laughs) as it was to us? Yeah, I want to know.
1: (laughs) I have a question for you guys because as I was reading this paragraph in our outline, I realized that there might be a plot hole, and it I'm now really, really confused. So. Let me try to explain it. So Duke uses a pseudonym, right? Mm -hmm. He goes by Duke instead of Noah to not startle Allie or something. She's called Miss Hamilton or Allie the whole time, introduced to people as Allie, introduced to her kids as Allie. So how is she listening to this story about Allie, Hamilton and Noah and not thinking it's about her?
2: it's a good point. It's a good point. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's interesting. And did we ever find out why he goes by Duke? I don't think so. They
0: don't explain it.
2: Yeah, that was also really confusing to me, even on the rewatch. Like I was like, did it like it would have been made more sense if maybe like his dad called him that as a kid or something like that. Or I don't know. But
1: Maybe there was a deleted scene or something. Like, yeah. maybe they took something out that was necessary.
2: Yeah. I don't know. So I guess, is it because she doesn't know sh- who she is? But you're right. But then the nurses and her kids and Duke are reminding her all the time that she's Allie.
0: Although, are they? Do they call her Miss Hamilton? I feel like they only call her Miss Hamilton except for when she's really upset. I remember the nurse calling her Allie. You know, and she's, like, having the freak out.
2: Yeah. But
0: otherwise, I think they might just call her Miss Hamilton. They definitely... He definitely says Allie Hamilton or, like, the Hamilton family in the beginning of the book.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe she doesn't remember her name, but I just felt like she did the whole time. So I don't know.
2: Yeah. Maybe when they're addressing her, she just knows that they're addressing her and not... That, that like, yeah like that's not resonating that that's her. But yeah, that's a really good point And I'm still confused by <laughs> that. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, us. it just stumped me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so then back to young Noah and Allie, they catch up and she tells him that she loves Lon very much. And they agree they can be friends, which, haha, of course we know they cannot. And he asks her to stay for dinner. And then while they're eating, Allie realizes that the dining room is the room where they had sex and they both get like really, really quiet. The piano is still there. And then Noah reads Whitman to her on the porch and she says, we really loved each other, didn't we? And then she leaves for her hotel, but agrees to come back in the morning. And I found this out. They filmed most of these later scenes first before Rachel and Ryan really knew each other so that Ryan could shave his beard and lose weight to play younger Noah, which I had no idea, but makes perfect sense.
2: Right, that, that does
1: make sense.
2: Yeah, that they would have to do this later stuff first. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Which I feel like would be so hard without the buildup as an actor. I never
2: get that, but that happens all the time in films, like where they're, like the first day could be scenes that are in the you know last part of a movie and stuff like that. But I, I don't get that either, but it happens all the time.
0: Mm hmm. I know that always surprises me. I appreciate it, though. Mm hmm. So we come back to present day with Duke and Allie and Duke's kids and grandkids come to visit and they introduce themselves to Allie. And you can tell that this is something that they do regularly where the kids come by to visit them, obviously, and they act like they're just Duke's kids because she doesn't understand. And so Allie gets up and leaves for her afternoon nap, which also just made me so sad because I'm like, they came here to see their mom and she doesn't know that she's their mom. And then she's like, I'm going to go take my nap. (laughs) And it just made me sad. Yeah. But it gives the kids an opportunity to try to tell Duke, their dad, to come home because their mom is never going to remember him or them. And he says, that's my sweetheart in there. I'm not leaving her. Your mother is my home.
2: And I cried. <laughs> very cute. It's so cute. Also, I just want to say this man has just had two heart attacks. I feel like he needs to be in a home just as yeah. much as Ali does. Like, yeah. This man is also like not doing well. Like, I guess he is mentally, but physically he's not doing well either. So, yeah, this is really hard, especially if you know a person or have a person in your life that has dementia or had dementia. It's like this is truly the reality of, you know, that kind of new relationship you have with them. And it's really, really sad. Yeah, this broke my heart.
1: Lon calls Allie's hotel to check in, but she doesn't give him any details on why she's there. And again, Angel, Angel baby Lon. He does not even push. He's like, okay. And then she goes back to Noah's in the morning and they go rowing on the river. And they're surrounded by white ducks and swans on the lake, river, whatever it is, and it is such a beautiful scene. And then she ends up telling him that it's beautiful what he did to the house, and he says, "Well, I promised you I would."
2: Which, like, <laughs> a man, I'm. Um, uh, God, <laughs> it's like a rare breed. A man is falling through with a promise. <laughs> <laughs> 10 years later or whatever like wow <laughs> yeah I <laughs> can't believe it but yeah it's stunning you probably you both know what this is but like the is it a willow tree or like a, is it the
1: Spanish moss like yeah the, stuff the that moss. Hang-
2: yeah. yeah like th- that's why I'm like I need to go see that IRL
1: 100% it's so beautiful and I guess the studio kept trying to get this scene removed because it would be way too hard to train the birds. And the director, Casavetes, fought for it. And they actually ended up just raising a bunch of hatchlings and going to the lake every day to feed them.
0: That's <laughs> Not me, just thinking that they found this lake that had all these birds living on it. <laughs> me too. <Yeah.
2: laughs> me too. You don't think because they don't really do anything, because if like follow the boat, that they would need to be trained. But that makes so much sense now.
1: Yeah. So their entire lives they knew to go out on the water and th- they would get fed.
0: Oh, my God. I'm just imagining somebody raising like 2,000 hatchlings.
2: <laughs> <Just be> like, <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. We're going to the water today. Totally. Hilarious. <laughs> and they're all like perfectly white and stuff like that.
1: And I guess the studio came to like watch this scene being filmed. And I think it was like a like a brag. Like, look what we were able to do. Sure. You know, it
2: it worked out, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's very, very beautiful. And then we, like this is the scene we've all been waiting for. As storm rolls in, it's starting to rain. They like quickly row back to shore. Allie's like covering her head with her like cardigan, I guess. <laughs> and it's like the climax of the movie. She's like, Why didn't you chase after me? Why didn't you write to me? Like, what happened? because they've been tiptoeing around it for you know these last two days and then she's like I waited for you and he's like ah, the line I wrote you for 365 days like and then he's like it wasn't over it still wasn't over and then he kisses her and it's like perfection like the passion the rain the acting is so good. Like, I really believe them uh, when mm-hmm. they do this. It's 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 good. It holds up.
1: Mm-hmm. No notes. It's so good. I think uh, that's why it was the best kiss. Right. Like it just it uh, it just makes you feel all the feels. Although, did you know,
0: actually, sorry, I I found out or I saw in something that usually when there's rain in a movie, it's they're using fire hoses. Really? Yes. Because there has to be so much rain for it to show up on camera. Because right. like if you think about it, if you take a picture on your phone while it's raining, usually you don't, even, you don't see the rain coming down. True. And so there okay. has to be – so they're just getting dumped on by literal fire hose <laughs> that they're, like, holding up, like, totally, to spray onto yeah. them.
1: Is that nuts? That is nuts. That is – that makes sense now because in interviews they said they just really wanted to get out of the rain for this part.
2: Yeah, and I feel like there's a lot of pressure in these scenes because once your hair is wet – like, you have to go through hair and makeup all over again. So I feel like they just want to, you know, like, nail it on the the first the first take. That's a good point.
1: That actually does sound terrible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then Rachel McAdams' clothes were actually from the 1940s. And a lot of them were falling apart. And I think it was this scene that she was barefoot. Or maybe it's another one. But in the scene where she is barefoot, her shoes had fallen apart. So, so they just had her wear no shoes. And I thought that was funny.
0: That is funny.
2: That's interesting.
0: So then they're back at Noah's house and they have sex. And Allie says, this line made me laugh so hard. You got to be kidding me all this time. This is what I've been
2: missing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Okay. Like, does she mean that Lon like is not good at sex or does she mean that Noah is good at sex and she didn't know that because the first time they had sex, it probably wasn't good.
0: I interpreted it as the first one, but it probably was the second one. She's probably saying like if you if I had gotten all your letters and we still would have been together and we would have been doing this the whole time is actually probably what she meant. But in my oh. head I was like, "Damn."
2: I know, because I was like brutal, <laughs> like lawn is just catching strays here, but like so I like didn't I didn't get that part.
1: <laughs> Our man got wrecked. He got dragged. He got dragged, but
2: I love this scene like I love when They're back at the house, and he's, like, trying to rip off her stockings.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's very good.
0: It is. And so the next morning, Martha Shaw shows up, and Allie is really nice to her. Noah goes down to the door, definitely, to, like, break it off and, like, tell her to go away. And Martha makes a comment about wanting to meet Allie, and then Allie shows up at the door and is like, Oh, you should come in and have breakfast with us. And I think she ends up staying for the whole day. And by the time she leaves, she understands that Ali and Noah are in love. And she tells Noah that it gives her hope that she'll be able to find that too.
2: <laughs> yeah. Just like, it's not realistic. I feel, yeah. I feel like, I feel like, uh, okay. That's your like boyfriend. <laughs> and he's yeah. just like, like, okay. Um, I just would feel bad about myself if I was Martha Shaw. Cause it's like, Okay, so every time we were having sex, like, you were probably thinking of this other girl. Or, like, every time we were, like, together and stuff like that. I just... I think it's, like, brutal. I understand wanting to, like, um, you know, like, have your curiosity... um. Quenched or whatever, but I just like, I couldn't do it. I don't know. Maybe she's a better woman than I am. No, No. I cannot
1: imagine being like, oh, she's here. Can I meet her? No. Oh, and she's going to make me pancakes? Wow. Like, I would think, wow, she's being so fake right now. She just (laughs) screwed my boyfriend.
2: Literally. (laughs) This bitch inviting
0: me inside. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. How dare she? Yeah. I was also curious about what you guys thought about this with like, she's not really set up as. A possibility for Noah, like Lawn is for Allie. Like, why do you think that they didn't give her more, like, that there was more of a question mark if Noah was gonna end up with her? Cause, like, with Lawn, I feel like at least the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, maybe she, like, goes the Lawn route or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is ridiculous because you know that, you know, the two main characters are gonna end up together. But, like, Martha just doesn't seem to have a chance.
1: I think that they just thought it would be more romantic if Noah never fell in love with anybody else.
2: Right.
1: Like, because then we're like, oh, it had to be Allie. But we wouldn't like him as much and think he's as wonderful and amazing if he did fall in love with Martha, I think.
2: Right. Interesting. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's also like... The string of Allie's
0: character doing what she thinks she's supposed to do, I think. So I think it's true to her character that she would move on and find somebody new and that was suitable that her parents would like and get married at a regular age. Whereas Noah, I feel like, is a little bit more chaotic and does just do what he wants. So I feel like he's just, like, kind of using this woman for sex and for company because he doesn't want another relationship unless it's with Allie. But I think you're right. Also, Jenny, I think also that's right, that it just is romantic to see a guy not give up.
2: It is romantic. It's just or yeah, it's just a lot less realistic. Mm -hmm. But I guess we're not watching this for like realism. (laughs) 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 So (laughs) Allie wakes up. I feel like this also is something that I have ingrained in my head because Rachel McAdams looks so beautiful And the, like, sun pouring through the windows is just, like, ingrained into my head. Um, But she wakes up and there's, like, flowers on the bedside and a note from Noah being, like, I went to go get breakfast. And he, like, drew all these arrows along the floor indicating she should follow them. And it's her art studio, And she ends up painting on the porch. Also iconic scene because she's nude, but she like has a blanket and you can tell that she's just indulging in things that she doesn't get to do in her kind of more uptight, bougie life.
1: Yeah. And then the worst thing happens while she's painting and she's in that (laughs) blanket. Allie's mom shows up and it's obvious what has happened because Allie is naked. And her mom warns her that Lon has come to see Brooke. And then she confronts her mom, finally, for keeping Noah's letters from her. And then her mom drives her to what I think is the same lumber mill, if I'm not mistaken, that Noah worked at. And she reveals that she also once loved a man who worked there who was lower class. And she still drives there sometimes and stops to watch him work. Heartbreaking. Very sad. And even though she tells Allie that she really genuinely loves her father and doesn't deserve him, she always wonders how her life would have been if she had chosen differently. And so she gives Allie Noah's letters and she says, I hope you make the right choice.
2: What does she think is the right choice at this point? <laughs>
1: this is gonna be my question, what you guys yeah. think. Because I could
0: not figure it out.
2: Cause I'm like, you are saying that you wonder all the time what your life would be like, and you go watch him work so what are you saying is the right choice like it sounds like you have a lot of regrets and wish you explored the other option
1: I think that's what she's saying yeah Mm -hmm. because like I think the whole movie she's fighting it and she's like no no she has to go down the path that I went down where I made the right choice by choosing Allie's father and choosing a life of security that was the right choice and she's like in denial and lying to herself and then by the end, when Allie and Noah are together again, I think that she's realized. No, wait. I think the right choice is love here because I don't want Allie to live a life of regret like I have. I think maybe that's just me being a romantic, but
2: no, I think that's right. Yeah, maybe she does have the change of heart here. Yeah, I, I, I needed it to be a little clearer, but I <laughs> guess too. yeah, me too. Because yeah. the whole time. Yeah,
0: the whole thing and with her taking the letters, I was just like, she's not on board for this. But you're right, Jenny. I think I think her knowing that Allie went back down there, like flipped something in her where she's like, okay, I'm going to go like
1: tell her the truth. And then Noah and Allie argue because she still doesn't know what she's going to do. And he tells her to stop thinking about what everyone else wants. And this is the part where he says, what do you want a million times? And then just... Progressively gets angrier and angrier until he's screaming, "What do you want?" Which is so iconic.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: but Ryan actually improvised it, which I had no idea.
2: Yeah, it makes the scene so much better and so much re- more realistic because I really believe that's what Noah would do, and I feel like Allie at this point. Well, like I don't love the yelling and stuff like that, but like sh- she does need. I feel like someone to to really like asking nicely isn't getting an answer and I feel like she does Mm -hmm. need someone to to like really ask her, I guess, in this way.
0: I think this is actually maybe what makes this movie so appealing to women is because he like forces her out of her people pleasing. Yeah. That's he's just like, what do you (laughs) actually want? I don't care. And like I think that's like appealing, especially in the time period that it was in.
2: Totally. Like I definitely think that this movie Again, one of the reasons I think it holds up is I think like maybe not as much like the distinct class uh, levels that are depicted in this movie. But like, I definitely think the pressures of timelines and what your parents want you to do and people pleasing ring true to a lot of women. Mm -hmm. Totally. So she drives back to her hotel. She's really, really upset. She almost gets... Into an accident, again, very scary. (laughs) And then she pulls over on the side of the road and reads some of the letters from Noah. So then we come back
0: to present day Allie, and she's telling Duke that she doesn't know why, but the story makes her feel kind of sad. And Duke quotes Whitman to her, which I thought was very sweet. And then they walk inside, and the nursing staff have helped him set up a romantic dinner in her room. Which is so cute, and then she makes a comment about how many pills he has to take. Which, to to your point, Tori, makes me like. I think the first time I watched this, I thought that, I definitely thought that he lived here too, like that he lived in this like home until I caught that his kids were
1: like, "You should come home."
2: Yeah, he's he's not doing well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, yeah.
1: no, which you definitely miss like the first watch or two because you're so focused on like her health and the story exactly that you don't. You don't really think about the fact that, like, oh, he's just living for her right Mm -hmm. now. And then back at the hotel, Allie confesses her infidelity to Lon. She confesses everything. And this man, I just want to call him an angel baby for the rest of this. I found out there are people who are Team Lon and who go up to James Marsden and are like, she should have been with you.
2: (laughs) No, but literally she should have, I feel like. Yeah. (laughs) Noah is so toxic. But yeah, whatever. Like, yeah.
1: Like I love this movie. I love everything about it. Like I said, I cried for like twenty to thirty minutes after this movie was over. But I still, I still really like Lon. He's so likable,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he just says that he still wants to be with her and tells her it's normal not to forget your first love. But
0: also, like it's it's nice. But also, like what is wrong with him? <laughs> you know, like they're supposed to the get married. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Well, just like, is she just going to keep sleeping with him once they get married, you know?
2: Yeah, I think that's, like, the one negative thing I'll say about Lon is that I feel like at this point, he just wants to go through with the wedding aspect. Like, he doesn't care if it's Allie or, like, someone else, but... Mm, That's
1: a good point. That is a good point. Interesting. Like, not,
2: like, super outright or anything like that, but I think he's just like, yeah, like, I still... And maybe it's his like the pressure of canceling a wedding this late in the game or whatever. But he I feel like he's like, no, I'm like literally okay with this. And like, (laughs) that's not great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I got married last year and the amount of pressure that comes, especially this close to their wedding of like all the vendors, especially for them, like their wedding is in the paper and like their parents are all very high status and he's kind of famous. And so it's like a whole I can imagine that also just being like him being like, we will fix this later, but we're going to keep getting married,
1: right? Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. And I think it's interesting because uh, I didn't think about it that way. But like, yeah, there is just no passion in this relationship with Lon. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you. And then in the present day, Duke says, and they lived happily ever after. And Allie says, who did? And then in the story, we see Allie return to Noah.
0: And we see the same thing happen in the present day. So Allie has this like moment of clarity. She remembers who Duke is and asks how much time they have before she forgets again, which like broke my heart. And Noah says that this has happened before. And last time they only had five minutes together. And so they use the time to dance to their song. I'll be seeing you. And she asks about the kids and she asks him to tell them that she loves him. And then like, I'm sure what happens every time, like with these scenarios, she gets disoriented again and freaks out. She's very confused. She's very upset. She thinks he's a stranger and she doesn't understand what he's doing there. And she screams for help and the doctor has to come sedate her.
2: It's so sad. Yeah, it's really, really sad. I'm, yeah, sobbing at this point. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Again, this shook me to my core the first time I read this, like, or watched this. I just had no idea that this was, like, the plot twist of the movie, but... We see that the notebook that he reads to Allie is like a journal and she had wrote it before she had dementia. So the like inscription says to my love, Noah, read this to me and I'll come back to you. And so that's why he reads it to her every day. I, I, I don't know why I was like so shook that it was her journal because it's like, that makes so much sense. What, what did I think it was?
1: <laughs> I thought it was his journal the whole time. Right. And so that, that little twist that she did it while she still had her memories, ugh, <laughs> it just kills me. Yeah. And then Noah has a heart attack and Allie is taken to the dementia ward. And as soon as Noah recovers enough to walk, he tries to sneak into Allie's room. And then the nurse tells him that he's not allowed. This is the best part. I remember my mom having to explain this part to me when I was a kid because I didn't get it. (laughs) The nurse says, even though he's not allowed, she's going to go get coffee downstairs and she won't be back to check on him for a while. And then he notices that she has a full cup of coffee on the counter still. And so Noah sneaks into Allie's room and she instantly recognizes him and she asks if their love can create miracles. And he says, that's what brings you back to me each time. And then she asks if their love could take them away together, which is where I'm losing it. And he says he thinks their love can do anything they want it to. And he crawls into the hospital bed with her and says, I'll be seeing you, which is the name of their song. It's his last words to her. And they fall asleep holding hands. And the next morning, the nurse finds them and they have died peacefully in their sleep holding each other while she still remembered who he was
2: oh my Solving. god i'm literally like, like I'm, I'm gonna cry thinking about it i'm like tearing up like it's so <laughs> sad it's and yeah. so beautiful at the same time yeah and again i just didn't see this coming when i first watched it so like the first like <gasps> um when you realize that they've passed away together is just like so brutal um mm-hmm. oh, heart-wrenching uh,
0: heart-wrenching but in like the most beautiful way i like I said, I watched this like a few times in high school and bald and was just like, I'm going to put it away. Like, I don't need to watch it again because it was like so upsetting. And then watching it again, I was like, no, this is such a good story. And it's like so beautiful. And I love both of them. And the characters are so good. So I would highly recommend a rewatch.
1: Yeah. Unless you just wanted to catch the recap so that you didn't have to be yeah. devastated. That's fine. <laughs> we respect that. <laughs> Seriously. We'll take one for the team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In 2015, the CW was developing this as a TV series, which I had no idea. Not the CW. I, I know.
2: No. I know. That part would have been bad. It would have been so <laughs> cheesy. I guess, well, the 90210 reboot was on the CW. and
1: Was it okay?
2: You know, it was good. <laughs> like It was fun. <laughs> It was a good TV show. They
0: do great, fun shows. Like, I loved The Vampire Diaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. I think it wasn't Pretty Little Liars, The CW, but like this, I don't know. I feel like Jenny and I always, every time we watch a movie, we're like, we want a TV show of this, but we want HBO to do it.
2: Yeah. Totally, totally. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to, like, remake a classic like this. And also, I just feel like replacing the performances of... Rachel and Ryan would be so tough to do. Like, I just think that they did such a good job. And it's so visually distinct, too, that this is a tough sell for me.
1: Maybe it was, like, too soon, too. Like, maybe in, like, 20 more years, it would be a good remake. Yeah. But I don't know if we need that right now. Yeah. The series was just going to center around young Allie and Noah and just leave out the future and the dementia part. And Nicholas Sparks was actually going to be a producer on it. And they just couldn't attach a writer. So nothing ever happened with it.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I'm curious. What was on the CW in 2015? Like Vampire Diaries would have been in its last year or two. Riverdale? Was Riverdale a
1: thing yet or no? Was that before mm, that, that? I think
2: that was 2016 or 2017. So that would have okay, been so in, between. in between then. So yeah, I guess that they were looking for... Other shows. Yeah, like the next big teen show. Yeah. I think it probably if if they had
0: done a good job, it probably would have done okay. But I feel like probably for people a little bit younger than us that weren't huge fans of the original movie.
2: Yeah. So they had Rain, Vampire Diaries, the originals, Supernatural, I Zombie, Jane the Virgin, and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend.
0: Oh, I forgot Jane the Virgin is a CW show. I love
2: that show. I loved that show, yeah. And I loved Rain, too. And I watched uh, most of Vampire Diaries, but I could totally see why they would think that this is a nice addition to that kind of lineup.
1: I think they wanted to do like a period
2: piece piece. type thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. That's so, yeah, so interesting.
0: Well, thank you guys for listening. Tori, tell the listeners where they can find you and all about your new podcast.
2: Yeah, you can find my pop culture podcast, Ready to Be Petty, on all podcast platforms and on social media at RTBP Podcast. And then I have a new podcast called Ready to Be Romance that covers romance novels. Maybe we should read The Notebook (laughs) yeah, and cover the book over there. But yeah, if you are into this type of stuff, we are talking all about different romance novels but it's a lot it's more on the smutty like spicy romance side less on the like you're sobbing and like (laughs) like clutching your pearls like type of side it's it's a little bit different than this but yeah if you like this type of stuff you should check it out
1: if you're reading A Court of Thorns and Roses like Megan and I currently are, then it's the perfect podcast for you.
2: Yes. Oh, my God. Are you both currently for the first time reading it? Yes. No. I'm way. on book three. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So you're farther along than I am. Because I want to Okay. 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 Yeah. Nice. Very nice. I had to get your thoughts on it.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. That was so
2: fun, Tori. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: And as a reminder, if you leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts before the end of the month, we will read your review and give you a rom-com suggestion. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye!